Oh. Come on, if you're gonna clap, clap like you mean it. It's awkward in here, come on. Did you hate those awkward claps? Now listen, uh, it is a new year. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, it is officially 2021. Someone should shout a big amen for 2021. I know we're not out of this yet. As a matter of fact, if you're so excited that, that last year is over, I think you need to stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet, clap your hands. Come on, I know I'm being emotional right now. 20, 2020, goodbye. 2021. Come on, we declare this the year of the Lord, somebody. It's going to be good. You can be seated. It's good to see you today. Um, I was just texting, uh, just texting, not texting, what do you call it, commenting online, uh, uh, standing back here with everyone that's online with us today. So first of all, if you're, if you're joining us online, uh, first of all, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we love you so much. For those of you who are just starting to actually come and visit our church, we're we're excited for you to come visit, we really are. You know, there's people in our church, I say this every week, but I wanted to make sure we keep the context um, open and that we know what's going on. There are people who have been with us online who are a part of our church but have not visited yet and they've joined us online during the epidemic, uh, during the pandemic, and so we can't wait to see you when you decide that it's your time to, to come and, and be with us. So church, one more time, can we please just welcome everyone that's online in our online community today. We so appreciate you. We love you so much. Okay. Well, listen, um, I, I genuinely, sincerely am really excited that last year is over. Come on. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it started in March, and, and we were actually having a pastor's conference here the second week of March, and uh, the pandemic broke out while there were 50 lead couples with us from 50 churches. And um, you've never seen a more insecure group of people in, in your life when the pandemic broke out. We were all here together. Nobody knew what to do. Uh, people were actually preaching their Sunday ser services from our hallway because they didn't know what else to do. And we didn't have all of our stuff set up yet uh, for recording. It, it was crazy. And then I, I was like you, you know, I thought, man, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be over in a, in a few weeks. And so I was planning the next series, and I, I said this a few weeks ago, but I, I was in a series at that moment called Clarity. And then within four weeks, I was preaching a, a series called Uncharted. And so you, you kind of get an idea of what life has been like for all of us, uh, but it has, been, it has been something else. And it is nice to be in a season in 2021, over the last few weeks, as things are starting to turn around a little bit. I mean, it's, it's good. I, I like those seasons better than the other seasons. I, I like the kind of season where there is a vaccine, if you choose to take it, that is out there. And uh, I, like the, I like the kind of season where certain things are starting to loosen because I'm here to tell you this morning that you, you cannot stop the church and you cannot keep the church from meeting. And I've been, I've been very careful you know, with my words, and, and not because I'm political, because all of you who, who were in my, my first series know that politics are not, an, are not in me. I'm not a political person. But I have been very careful because um, it has been an interesting, it's been a difficult season. But I don't believe that you can actually keep the church from meeting. I, I believe not only is it unconstitutional, and I don't want to get into any of that, but I think if you go back 2021 years, there have been many seasons where culture, whether it's war or famine or other false theologies that have tried to shut the church down, and you just can't do it because when there is persecution, the church actually grows. When things, when things begin to narrow, we get deeper. You, feel, you remember that message? As we get narrow in the world, things narrow us, we actually go deeper, and then when things go wider, guess what happens? We just go higher. 
We just, we just get better in Jesus and God's got a great plan. So it has been an, an incredible year. Um, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite memories, I wanna share a favorite memory. I wanna share a not so favorite memory of this last year. One of my favorite memories during this was that my family, when we were first quarantined uh, for those first four months, my family, my three children who are all here this morning, my daughter Tessa played the bass. My other two children are sitting right down here in the front, Kaylee, who's our youth pastor, and Kai, uh, my son, who is about to turn 17 this week. All three of my kids are right here. We actually were trapped together in our house. Now, I, and when I say that, a lot of you have all kinds of emotions and feelings about that, but I wanna tell you something. <clears throat> we spent four months uh, as a family sitting together every single night on our deck and it, it not only deepened our relationships, but it allowed us to look each other in the eye. And you know, we, we actually are living in such a world right now and things have been going so fast that I'd say oh, just in normal, outside the pandemic, I don't know if we ever stop anymore too often to just look each other in the eye and have relationship. One of my favorite memories of the pandemic was four months with my children sitting on our deck having conversations every single night because there was nowhere else to go. We weren't allowed to but it did do something in our hearts. One of my saddest memories, I've got some sad memories too because I have lost friends. Uh, I have lost friends, um, dear close friends of mine. In the last year, they've died um, as a direct result of, of, of contracting COVID-19. Um, one of my close friends, a pastor, a father in the Lord, someone I've known during my whole Christian life. Um, he's from Florida, his name is Pastor Danny Bonilla and Pastor Danny, uh, actually got the COVID, vac or the COVID uh, virus and he passed away. And, um, you know, I, I, look at, I look at all of this and I think to myself, I've had some of the, the highest highs in the last 12 months, but I've also had some of the lowest lows in the last 12 months. And instead of trying to, to piece it all together in my head and understand it, I have to come back to a place to where I say, I do believe in my heart, both biblically, experientially, but I just believe it, that God is sovereign. I really do. And I believe that history is his story, it's his testimony. I believe that God has a plan and that over the decades and over the years and over the decades and over the centuries that God is really working his plan, which is to let all of humanity know that he loves them, that he's the Lord of their life, he's their savior, and we're all gonna be together again someday in heaven. I do believe that God is in control. But what has happened is this. I don't know if I've ever been more insecure in my whole life. If I just look at like what's going on in my own personal life, I don't know if I've ever been more insecure. I had to all of a sudden go online. You have no idea what it was like to preach messages when there was nobody in the room. Like the first six weeks, honestly, before and after, I was stressed out before. And I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't want you to think I'm not spiritual. I'm just not trying to put on a spiritual mask for you right now. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a room, I'm in the hallway going, I don't wanna preach today. I turned to Donna several times, I don't even wanna do this. I said, babe, I don't even wanna do this. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, you have a church, man of God. No, like, I don't want to preach. There's nobody here but Aaron and Joah on a camera. And they don't even say amen because they can't because it's awkward on the screen. Like, what do I do? And then, then you like, you discipline yourself to stare at the seats and pretend there's people in them, you know? Like they're saying amen. And then all, all of a sudden you just, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I've never been more insecure in my life. And then so many of you, if, if you're here, just this is the reality is that, you know, we, our, our services were packed. This place was packed before COVID. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're getting like 11 people online. And I'm like, Where, where's the other 990? Like, where are they? 
Well, I didn't, I didn't know where you went. I didn't know until someone texted me a message one day and said, hey, I heard a message from Stephen Furtick that you really need to hear today. It'll bless you. You don't even wanna know. You, you don't even wanna know how far I backslid. I literally had to go, to go on a walk. I was so mad, I took off my mask. That's where, that's where they were. And, and, you know, and there's all these philosophical things going on, all this stuff going around about how we're supposed to view the pandemic and what the church is supposed to look like in the future. And all, all of the, everyone's sitting around having these philosophical debates about what church is supposed to be. And you know, I, I've, I've lived just long enough now. Now, look, look my, in my life, I've lived just long enough. I'm in that season where I've been through seasons of the body of Christ at this point. I've been through what happened in the late 80s and the early 90s and four or five major revivals that broke out across the globe and millions of people were being blessed and getting touched by God and pastors who had their lives turned around and, and, and hundreds of thousands of people pouring into churches for the first time. I've seen it. I've also seen the devastation that takes place when some of those revivals are over because everybody just jumps in. You know, there's a difference between a flood and a river. The difference between the Holy Spirit being a flood is it has no banks. You know, the Holy Spirit actually is a river. The Bible doesn't call it a flood, if you didn't know that. The Holy Spirit is a, is a river. It has banks. It's flowing somewhere. And the more Holy Spirit that's in it, the more powerful it is. The more that happens. But the banks are never supposed to leave. I've seen the good, and I've seen the bad, and I've seen some ugly. And so here I am standing before you right now, and I'm telling you, not only are we going to get through this, but we're gonna see God move when we do get through this and, and it's not going to be damaging. It's going to bring something out of us that we didn't know we had, but it has not been easy. It's been a time of insecurity. It's been a time of stripping away all of the things, some of the things that don't matter. And I wanna talk about that today. My, my message today, we're gonna to start a new series and the series is entitled Return. Return. Now the word return has a lot of can have baggage with it because some people who have been through a lot of revivals and church and stuff, some of you, uh, some of you people who have been through some of this, you think oh, I've returned five times. Okay, I've been returning for 50 years. I, you know, what does that mean anymore? I don't want to define it that way. I, I just want to talk about where I think the church is at and I think where we're at and where we're headed. But first I want to pray. And I want to pray that God actually, God actually does something in us in this next season that is truly unprecedented in your life. So I don't, know, I don't know all of you, and I don't know where you come from. I don't know all of you online especially. But I believe that God wants to do something unprecedented inside of you. And as he does, you're going to experience God differently. You're going to experience your relationships differently. And you're going to experience church differently. I believe that's what's going to happen. So I want to pray. Uh, but first, maybe what I'll do here is I'll, I'll read the verse. I'm going to read today from John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 14 uh, through verse 22. I'll read it and then I'll pray. Then Judas, so return. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, by the way, there were many Judases in the Bible. It was actually a very familiar name. Uh, like John and even Jesus was a very familiar name. Then Jesus, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the whole world? It's a very interesting question. The questions in the Bible are very powerful. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them 
and make our home with them. Very powerful statement about Jesus and God, the Trinity, about living with God's people, being with God's people. The greatest truth in the New Testament, the incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel. We sing that at Christmas all the time. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Return, this is what we're gonna talk about. Return means to come back to a place or a person. Father, this morning, I am so grateful that this last year is over. It's not that 2021 won't have its challenges because I know that it will. But Father, we come to you and we just take all of the, the brokenness and all of the things from the last year and we lay it at your feet. Just the way that we would lay our sin at the cross, just the way that we would lay our ambitions at the cross, just the same way that we would lay our own dreams and desires at the cross and say, Lord, you need to be glorified in my life. We take all of last year and we lay it at the cross and we say, thank you, Father, for being a good God. Thank you for loving us despite us and thank you for giving us a purpose. I pray, Father, you bless us in 2021. I pray, Lord, that no matter what comes our way, that we would keep our eyes focused, fixed firmly, intently on you, your purposes, and what you're doing in our lives. I pray, Father, Lord, that if we can get through all of that, what is about to come will only glorify you even to a greater level. Father, today, we love you so much. We are so grateful that with all of the messes, that we get to be here at this point in history so that we can be a light at this moment in history, so that we can love people in this time that we're in, and so that we can take a hard look at ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, how can we grow to become what you want us to be? This is a moment for us. It is, it's a moment for us. And Father, we love you so much today and we're so grateful. Let us never stop being a grateful people. And Father, we do pray for our city and our state today. In the name of Jesus, come on. In the name of Jesus, we pray that God would be glorified in Colorado. We pray, Father, that every church would grow, that every pastor would be strengthened and blessed. We pray that every song that is sung would be laced with the powerful, transforming presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that when people come into church, they wouldn't be walking into empty buildings. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about churches that are empty with the presence of Jesus. I pray that the presence of Jesus would be like a wave that would come and fill our churches and our hearts and that people would understand that God loves them. I pray, Father, for your presence. And I pray, Father, that you would bless us today. And as we move into this next season, Jesus, I'm asking you to do something unprecedented inside of each one of us. Do not allow us to hear these messages and sing these songs and not say, God, make changes in me. Lord, bring me closer to you. Father, heal my wounds and strengthen my, my inabilities and my insecurities. Father, you come and wipe my mind from all negativity and thoughts that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Father, today, I pray in the name of Jesus that you bless the church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Okay, what a, what a year. Okay, so it means to come back to a place or a person. Now, when I say the word return, I just want to set the stage by saying this. We're not talking about a system. And this is very important. We're not coming back, we're not returning to a system. We're returning to a savior. Very important. Because if we're not careful, church becomes a process and a system. How many of you know we don't serve a system? We serve a savior. Someone who came, who loves us, who, who has done things for us that we could not do for ourselves. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus is not the program of the church. The program of the church just accentuates 
It is the accessory to the grace of God and what he does in our lives. It's really important. During this last season, it's been crazy. So I've thought, okay, how do we do this? What's going on? And what about my own thoughts, my own insecurities? What about the church? And what about what everyone's saying? And so I've just started to deconstruct things a little bit. Now, when I say deconstruct, I look at the world, I look at the church, I look at my life, I look at Christianity, and I just think that we need to back up a little bit and deconstruct things. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean deconstruct in a weird way, like deconstructionism. Deconstructionism is the process of taking things apart to see how they're made, and then when you put them back together again, they don't look the same. That's not what I mean. We're not trying to change the gospel or change scripture. We're just trying to deconstruct things a little bit so that we can see what it is that's going on in our lives and in the world. I wanna go back to a quote that I used in the first month of the pandemic. In the first month of the pandemic, we were so overwhelmed with what was being taken away, we had to really come to grip with what Jesus was leaving us. And it's what Jesus leaves us with that is so vitally important to everything that we do. But there's a quote that I used, and uh, I've spoken it all over now, mostly on these Zoom conferences and Zoom stuff with, with leaders. But this is just an example. This is from a guy, he's a church builder, a church planter, uh, a, a pastor, coach. His name is Al Hirsch, he's from Australia. He said this, you may remember this, learn how to play chess. If you wanna learn how to play chess, start by removing your queen. Master the game without the best piece. Then put the queen back and see how good you are. In the church, the Sunday service is our queen. And now the queen has been off the board and it's time to discover what the other pieces can do. This is really what I think God has been doing in the church but in our lives. Let's take the queen off the table and let's see if we can still have church. Let's get rid of Sundays and let's find out if we still know how to pray. Let's get rid of Sundays and see if we can still worship at home. You know, in our homes or in our cars or wherever it is you feel free to just lift your hands and look crazy while you worship Jesus by yourself. Let's take the, let's take the queen off the table and let's find out, can, do we really know how to serve? Because is serving only something we do on Sundays? So you take Sundays away and the church doesn't serve anymore? Let's find out how many people show up online to a, to a dream team night with our volunteers. By the way, those have been amazing. But when you take, take it off the table, you realize that there are some things that we need to deconstruct and take another look at it. And that's what we're doing today. When we talk about return, I don't want you to think that I mean return to a system. I want you to understand church is important. We're always gonna be the church. I'm a church guy, I love to worship. We will always have ushers, we will always have door greeters, we will always have children's workers. We're always going to have a worship team. Those things are not gonna end. And when we put the queen, quote unquote, back on the table, because it kind of is, but it kind of isn't, I truly believe that we're going to be better disciples of Christ than we were before the pandemic. That's what I believe. I believe that discipleship is what we're talking about here today. So I wanna come back to this verse for a minute. We're returning to Jesus. We're returning not to a system, but to a savior. Really important. John chapter 14, verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the rest of the world? Now, what is happening here is that they have an incredible conversation. It ultimately is about relationship, but it looks like it's about obedience. It's not. 
He says, the, the, the disciple says, why is it that you'll show yourself to us but not the rest of the world? Well, the, I, I guess the idea here, you, you have to come back to the word show. Because the word show in the Greek, in the Septuagint, um, is a word that means to emphasize. Empha something Greekish. Emphanizo. Don't I sound smart, smart now? But it means something. The word emphasize means this to surprise, startle, or astonish. To surprise, startle, or astonish. So it seems to me like the apostles were wanting Jesus to put on a show. Like you need to do something where you just blow people away because if you blow them away, heal somebody, grow back an appendage that didn't used to be there, make a donkey talk again. That was a great story in the Old Testament. Come on, Jesus, put on a show. Why is it that you'll put on a show for us, but you won't put on a show for the rest of the world? Well, Jesus enters into a conversation with them and the answer simply becomes this, is that because if we don't have a relationship, see, I can do this with you because we have a relationship, but I can raise Lazarus from the dead and people still won't follow me. I can heal their diseases and they still won't call me savior because my works will never be as powerful as my grace. And so what happens is he says, look, I'm not here to put on a show. And the whole world, I think in this last decade, we've, we've really become a show in a sense. Now, I know that it's an old, it's kind of an old illustration at this point because I think everybody's used it, but, but this is kind of how things have been in the last decade or so. And so even, even this morning, I'm walking into church, I'm, I pull up my Instagram, I do an Instagram story, I'm like, hey, everybody go to church. That doesn't mean they will. The people who don't go to church didn't even hear it, so what does it matter? And I start thinking to myself, what has life been like? We have been a show. There's something in our Christianity. It's, it's kind of like living the Christian life is kind of like doing a post on Instagram. And we, we, we'll just do one. So it's kind of like this. First, you, you, you pull out your phone, and then you take a picture. And you, 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 you take this picture, and then the first thing that you do is you decide, am I going to do a post or a story? Is life a post or is life a story? And so I'm gonna pick post, okay? And then the next thing you do, and I have a, I have a picture of a book that I just read here, and um, no, no, I don't wanna do that. I, I wanna take a picture. Let's do this. This is gonna be on my Instagram. On, on three, on three, everybody clap. One, two, three. Okay, there we go. Okay, so the first thing I do then is I crop out everything that doesn't look bad. Okay? And there's somebody that looks funny, so here's what I'm going to do. Sorry. You're gone. Okay, now that I've, now that I've done this, I've, I've edited out, I've cropped out everything that looks bad, now I'm going to pick a filter that makes me look as good as I can. Because I don't want everyone to know the truth. So hold on a minute, no, that's not good enough. I need one that gets rid of my gray hair that I didn't have before COVID, hold on. There, that one's done, I guess it's, it's a hopeless cause. Okay, so first, is it a post or a story? Is life a post 
or is life a story? I, I think that we have, that life has become a post. I think Christians have become posts. That's all we are, we're just a post. And so, and then we, then we crop out all the bad stuff, then we put on a filter, and then we get to write whatever we wanna write in the caption. So I'm gonna write hashtag no more filters. Hold on. I wrote mo instead of no. No more filters. Not filkers. Filters. And then you hit okay. See, that's what they do is it. Because I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm okay. So I'm going to hit share. And this is what we do. This is see this little share. This is how life is for us. We've cropped out all the bad stuff. We've put on a filter. We write whatever we, we think we want people to hear that will bring the attention back to us or build whatever it is that we're building. And then we share that with the world. And this has become Christianity. This is what our Christian life is. But I just don't, I don't think that this is the way that it was meant to be. I think if you really want to have a relationship with Jesus, it has to be no more show. We're not here to impress anybody. It's time that we went backwards in our application to our applications of life and we got rid of the crop and started showing our crap. It's time, it's time because, because what happens is if we don't, we end up becoming something we, ne we were never meant to become. We start living a Christianity that we were never supposed to live because show does not equal grow. We have to say, okay, wait a minute. Jesus is like, no, hold on a minute. Well, why is it you'll show yourself to us but not everybody else? Because I'll show it to you because we have a relationship. But everyone else that I don't have a relationship, they're gonna hear everything I have to say and they're still going to reject me because they don't know who I am as a, as a Lord. They don't know me as a savior. They just know me as a healer. You can know him as a healer and not know him as a savior. This is what we need to return to. I'm asking you, I'm saying, come on church, let's return to Jesus. Let's return back to something. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. There's that word, my father will love them and we will come to them and make a home with them, a home, a family, a relationship. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So there's a couple of things here that I think are really important. These two words, love and obey. Love and obey are interesting words because we tend to think that obeying is loving, but it's not. I remember in youth ministry years ago, years ago, uh, Josh McDowell, who was an incredible youth leader, a youth pastor equipper, he, he made a statement. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So as we were raising our young children, we tried to have relationship with them. When they were little, we, we played with them, we changed their diapers, they puked on us, they, they didn't say thank you, they just ate and then the other stuff. And then as they grew older, when they were three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I remember having hundreds of hours of conversation with our children because I knew that, that, if, that if rules without, without relationship lead to rebellion, relationship has to take the driver's seat. And so Jesus wants to say that, that love and obedience are not the same thing. See, I have spent, I have spent 
uh, an incredible amount of time with people who for some reason don't understand the relationship part of parenting. Because obedience does not make my children love me anymore. See, if obedience was greater than, than love, then we would all just be running around obeying each other. Obey me, obey, 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 but it, was, it would be empty because there's nothing in it that's eye to eye, that's heart to heart, that's spirit to spirit. I don't know if you have my best interest in mind. Just because, just because I love you doesn't mean I, I have to obey you. Because I may not agree with you. Now, as an adult, if I don't agree with you, I don't have to obey you. It doesn't mean that I'm in rebellion. It just means that I don't agree. And so love and obedience are not the same thing. And what happens is we read verses like this and we start to think, oh, wait a minute. So obedience, if I go to the Bible study, if I read my Bible more, if I learn how to pray, if I show up to the prayer meeting, if I serve all the time, if I do all these things, and we put together our Christian checklist of what it means to grow in Christ while Jesus is waiting to meet us for coffee, we're outside wearing an orange jacket thinking that helping the cars park is going to get me closer to Jesus, but we're actually becoming farther apart. Because it's the relationship that drives all the rest of the stuff. So love and obedience, two great words, but you have to know where they come from. Now there's a couple of synonyms for each of these, and I want to show you these because it takes us to another level. Um, but let me read you this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you notice that he died for you before you obeyed him? Did you notice that he died for you before we started to live like Christians? So love has to come before obedience. Here's another one, relationship and character. We tend to think that character comes before relationship, but it doesn't. Let me read you this verse. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Character does not come before relationship. It's relationship with Jesus that helps us with all of our messes. It doesn't say that, that if we obey, that that equals character because it doesn't. This is like asking someone to run on a broken leg. You broke your leg, phenomenal, I'm so sorry. I need you to run over here. I need you, to, so we have Christians who are running on brokenness, but not their healing. Christians are running on a broken relationship instead of a healed relationship. So character and relationship are not the same thing. It's the relationship that covers all of the messes while it is that we're trying to build our character, while we're trying to become more like Christ. It's like, it's like putting a Band-Aid on cancer. It's like trying to heal the symptom but not the disease. We have to make sure that we don't, we don't equate character with relationship because character comes after relationship. Character is what happens, it's what's produced through the relationship with Jesus. But here's another one, grace or works. Grace or works. We tend to think that we can earn God's love, but we can't. We all know this in theory, but why is it that we live as if we can't? You know, I've spent so many times having conversations with people, sometimes with like new Christians. 
New Christians, I'll sit down and they're so on fire for Christ. Honestly, you guys, when I first got saved, I was so out of control. But in a good way, you know? Before I was saved, I was out of control in a different way. After I found Jesus, I was out of control because it was a radical salvation. I've met a lot of people like me. I mean, I went out and started a Bible study, but I'd never read the Bible, right? And so I, I told everybody in my little Bible study, and what's cool, this was in 1989, there are still people on staff at my home church in Portland from 1989 that actually were in my Bible study when I was 21 years old. But I remember saying, hey, everybody turn to the Psalm of David because I just opened up the Psalms and it said David wrote this. And so I, I didn't know that he wrote all of them basically. And so some smart Alex said, which one? And I said, the one that he wrote, what's wrong with you? You know, he said, what number? And I went, number? And about, oh, there's a number, turn to the... I, I just, I started, I started walking through the streets and ministering to drug addicts and homeless kids. I didn't know what I was doing, I had no clue what I was doing, but I was so on fire and so in love with Jesus because I had grown up so broken and now I was healed. I remember standing in a, in a square in Portland, Oregon. You can see that square on the news all the time now. It's on the news for something else. I used to go down to the square with my hacky sack back when hacky sacks were cool. Don't say it, but I, I would go down with my hacky sack and I'd start playing hacky sack and all these street kids would come around me and we had these hacky sack moments. And then I started doing like hacky sack Bible studies and those Bible studies, studies ended up with renting buses to, to get the kids from the streets into the church so that we could feed them lunch on Sunday mornings. And I maybe told you some of those stories It ended up with a house that we called Fusion where we would take kids off the street and we would bring them into Fusion House and we would decide them. But you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know any of the stuff. I didn't know what the Bible studies were going to teach me. I didn't know what Bible college was going to teach me. I didn't understand because there's something very powerful here. You have to understand that love and relationship have to come before obedience or the obedience will kill your relationship. I, I meet with new Christians, and these new Christians are like so on fire for God. If I say meet me at Starbucks, they're there early. They've got their Bibles. They've gone to Target and bought highlighter pens because they saw somebody else with a highlighter pen. They don't even know what they're going to highlight, you know? And then you should see their face when I give them a little, like, little download, like, you should use blue for the Holy Spirit. And they go, oh my gosh. Like, 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 I should have known it. This guy is blue, you know? And then I go meet with a Christian. I go meet with a Christian and I say, meet me at Starbucks for a Bible study. Or meet me for five weeks in a row for a devote group. And by the way, devote groups are starting again in, in February. I'm so excited. This is what I'm talking about. If you wanna be in a, in a Bible study with us, they're five weeks. Text devote over the next few weeks to that number and we'll put you in a group with all of us. But I, I ask a Christian, hey, me with it. They look, they look at me like I have just asked them to walk across the desert in bare feet. Do you know what I mean? Hey, come meet with me for five weeks at seven in the morning. At seven in the morning so we can do a Bible study before work. And they look at me like, I, like I'm crazy. 
Christians look at me like, what are you talking about? And I realize that we're in this whole thing with, with new Christians and their first love and their relationship and all of us as Christians over here who don't even want to get up to go do a Bible study somewhere in this whole thing. We've caught a, a virus, a pandemic, and, and you have lost your taste for the gospel and you've lost your smell for hypocrisy. And all of a sudden we wake up and we go, wait a minute, maybe it's time that we return to something. So this is not the same, grace and works. We understand the works are important and all those things are really important. But if we don't have love, if we don't understand what love is. You know, I, I did a message, or no, maybe it was in the last devote group, but, but serving Jesus is kind of like the two sides of the heart. One side of the heart brings in everything that's dirty and empty, fills it with oxygen, and pumps it out to the rest of the body again to be used. So everything that's bad comes into this side of the heart and goes out to be used on this side of the heart. Could you imagine if we bypassed the right side of the heart and tried to use what was dirty to build something? This is what, this is what Christianity has become. I was reading a book this week um, an incredible book, it kind of blew my mind. It talked about the neuroscience of discipleship. I know, kind of weird. But it was talking about the two sides of the brain. Now the, the two sides of the brain, now I'm a right brain creative person. All of the right brain, somebody already started to clap. This is, this is how much the right brain people need encouragement. All of the creatives on the right side, please clap your hands, okay? All of the analytical, uh, didactic people on the left side, please clap your hands, okay? See, we're about equal. The, the right side, creative people are always late. The left side people are always complaining that they're late. That's annoying and one is a character issue, so we all have our problems. Um, but I, I learned something about the brain. The brain, you, you didn't know this, the right side of the brain um, is where we feel emotion. It's, it's the creative part. The right side of the brain is where we actually process love. Maybe you, maybe you knew this, I didn't know this, but the right side of the brain actually functions faster. It processes faster than the left side of the brain. Now, if you're a left side analytical person, that offends you. But the right side, the love side of the brain works faster than the left side of the works brain, part of the brain. And the way that information comes into our brain is this. All information, it doesn't matter what it is, always enters through the right side of the brain. It always enters on the love side, on the relational side, and then crosses over to the left side and then results in an action. See, God knew what he was doing when he put us together. Everything that we do is processed through love and then results in an action. But as Christians, once again, like the heart, if we remove, if we remove the, the love and we go from experience to works and we leave out the love, we end up as people who have forgotten why it is that we're doing this in the first place. And then church becomes an Instagram post where we post, we, we edit out all the bad stuff. We make ourselves look as good as we can. We write whatever we want and we're okay with that. And then we share it to the world while Jesus is over here going, no, wait a minute, you have forgotten something really important. Look, look at this verse, look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse seven. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness 
and in our love for you, see that you excel in grace as well. You see, what happens is, is that, that if we forget how it is that we're made, I have news for you, You're not, you were not made for works. Did you know that? You were not created so that you could just do stuff. You were created so that you could have a relationship with God. Have you ever wondered why God created you in the first place? Do you think God was, was, was up in heaven with Moses and Elijah and he's going, what, Moses, God, what are you gonna do today? I'm gonna make humans. Why? I'm bored. And I just wanna see a bunch of humans run around like ants building things to see if they can survive, to see if they can make it. I wanna watch them work. Why were you created? You weren't created for works. You were created for love. God created you because there is something inside of him that has to give himself away. That is not a didactic analytical class that you can take. Love is about sacrifice. Love is about, about emotion. Love is about coming back to our first love. This is what it's all about. We need to remember that love always comes first. It always does. As we close today, I, 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 want, you to, I want you to understand that where I feel that, that we're gonna go as a church this year is we're so good at, at something. Like, we, like the classes and the notebooks and the discipleship and all those things, we'll, we'll do that because we do that while we breathe. It's, it's like, let's do that. I, we sit in meetings and we literally have to stop ourselves from creating more, more stuff. Like we can sit there, we can create 20 things, then I gotta narrow it down. I'm like, come on guys, we can't do all that in three days. Let's just narrow that down to a couple things that work. But what I can't do for you is I can't convince you to fall in love with Jesus again. That has to be up to you. But I believe that the world has become a post. It's become a post instead of a story. It has become a, a place of works and a place of character. Build your character, build your character. A place where we take obedience and we say, obey, obey, build your character. Make sure that you have works. Do all of these things, but in the middle of it, Jesus is sitting here going, you know, at the end of the day, all of your works are gonna go away and all you're gonna have left is me. And it's like, like the conversation my, my wife and I had a while back. She looked at me and she said, what are we gonna do when all the kids are gone? And I said, I don't know, babe, all you're gonna have left is me. And she goes, oh my gosh, she started speaking in tongues. I was like. I was like, that was so hurtful. No, it, when all the stuff is gone, you know, it's just, it's just us and Jesus. When I say return, we're coming back to a, a person. We're coming back to a savior, not a system. We're coming back to someone who died for you and loves you. It's not about how much you do. And, 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 and all of this work stuff is so important. And I understand that faith without works is dead. I, I get all of that. Because if you don't have some works, then I don't really know if, if you're in love. Like if there's no works, I don't know if you're in love. You know, I, I, when I was in love with Donna, I wrote her poems. <laughs> My gosh, you will never, you will never hear them. Like you will never, my children discovered a box of stuff uh, this last year during the pandemic. See, that's another thing in the pandemic. They found all my poems and my cards that I wrote to my wife. But I, I, I do things like, but faith without works, well, that's because if there's no works, I have to question your love. I'm not judging your relationship with God. I'm saying that when you're in love with someone, you do things you would never do if you weren't in love. 
I want to change, not because she told me to, but because I, I love her. I want her, to, I want her to know that I love her. And I know that for a relationship, I've got to change. I've got to change the way that I talk with her. I've got to change the way that I treat her. I've got to change the way that we, we work together. I've got to change the, the dreams that we have together. Our dreams need to come into alignment. You know, all these things because I love her, not because I have to. This is what I want us to return to. And over the next four weeks, you're gonna hear a couple people on the team. You're gonna hear uh, others on our team really bring what's on their heart about returning to God. So I'm, I'm done today, but listen, we are returning to Jesus. We're returning to a savior, not a process, not a system. And I believe it will change, it'll change you. And as the church opens back up again and the room fills up again, can we please not go back to what we were before? Can we have a, can we fill this place with people who are so on fire for what God's doing in their life? They just wanna be, they just wanna grow. It's not a show. I wanna grow in God. I wanna be a part of that. Please everyone stand to your feet with me. And I just am believing for this and I'm praying for this. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing today. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Father, that you love us so much. Father, today, Father, today, we just, we just recognize you. We say you are God. You have sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. You sacrificed for us out of love. Love, love comes first. All of our actions are processed through our love. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful. I ask you to help us return today. We're returning not to a program, but to a person, a person who wants to have a relationship with us. And everything else comes out of relationships. So Father, I, I pray this. I want church to do this with me. Come on, church. Now, maybe you've never done this before, but I want you to just lift your hands with me to wherever is comfortable. And the reason is the, the Bible talks about lifting holy hands, set aside hands, holy, set aside. They represent all of our work, our love, our friendships. That's what the Bible says. We lift our hands. Father, we come to you today. We just surrender to you everything once again. Lord, we're so grateful, Lord, we love you. Church, pray this with me out loud. I want every person at home and in the building to pray this prayer. Say this out loud with some strength. Say, Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that you loved me so much, that you gave your son for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I pray that our relationship would be alive. I return to what matters most. I return to your love. I return to your care. I return to your hope. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that I would never be the same, never be the same, never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Now come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Tell him that you love him. Come on, Jesus, we love you today. We give you all the glory. Come on, guys, let's lead him in a song.